Breathe Darling is about vulnerable, connecting conversations where we share in life's struggles and joys and what it means to live on purpose. A lot of life is really, really hard with all the pain, loss, and unexpected hardship. And yet a decent amount of it is beautiful and glorious, especially when we're paying attention. This space is for feeling seen, heard, known, and understood, where we can breathe a little easier and navigate the inevitable beauty and difficulty of life. Pull up a seat. Let's get started. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Breathe Darling with Emily Riggs. I'm your host, Emily Riggs, and I am very happy to be back with you today. Um, This week did not go as planned. (laughs) Generally, I like to have a new podcast episode out on Fridays, Uh, but alas, it is Sunday as I sit here and record in my little alcove in our house uh, because there's not a closet big enough for me to uh, sit in and record. So here we are on a Sunday, a crisp fall Sunday morning here in Ohio. And wherever you are, I hope that you're taking a minute just to slow down and to inhale and exhale and um, give yourself a little rest. So I come to you today with uh, the podcast on a Sunday because this past week was pretty full to the brim um, with a lot of opportunities for presence. And what I mean by that is... um, spaces and times where I could either choose to be preoccupied about not having the podcast out when I wanted to, or I could allow myself to be fully in the present moment and practice some acceptance. If you need a little primer on acceptance, please see episode two. Um, But to practice some acceptance around the fact that I can't do it all. And that I'm not going to ever be able to do it all. So that's the probably the radical acceptance of my life is realizing I can't do it all. But that said, on um, Thursday, when I normally record the podcast, I was um, prepping to host a group of friends at my house for a book club. Um, and then come Friday, I had the opportunity to cheer on a friend and be in her corner as she spoke at our local TED conference. Um, and then, uh, got to take family photos with my partner and my dog and, um, really wanted to be able to show up and be present for all of those things. And then come Saturday had the day planned with my mother-in-law and spent some time with her and my husband. And, um, yeah, there were just so many opportunities to be present, um, to show up for my life, for my people. And um, doing it all was not in the cards, as it never is. And I was able to do those things and to do them to the best of my ability. Um, and except that the podcast wasn't going to get recorded and released until Sunday. So here we are practicing a lot of acceptance and leaning into the practice of mindfulness, which is what I wanted to talk about today because it is showing up in my life a lot. It's showing up in mental health a lot as it should. Um, but my hope is to bring some, 
um, I guess, some some perspective on mindfulness. Um, for those of you who have some experience or exposure to mindfulness, this might feel like a recap. And to anybody who um, is unsure of what mindfulness is or unclear on the concept, um, this will be a great introduction for you. So when it comes to mindfulness, um, it's it's definitely become a mental health buzzword. Um, in the mental health and wellness space, um, we're seeing a lot more um, transmission of information, right? Which is incredible. I love seeing um, information being shared widely that it's not just um, uh, the right of the professionals to have access to this information. I love that we have greater access to um, mental health content on platforms like social media. Um, But I also think it can be um, too succinct, right? And it lacks nuance. Um, And I think it's really important that we understand that mental health um, is incredibly subjective to our own experiences and that what someone else is sharing as their experience may not line up with your own. And that is okay. So I say that as a caveat to what I'll share today, because as much as I'm going to share a general concept of what our general idea of what mindfulness is, I'm also going to share how I practice mindfulness. And that may resonate with you and it may not. And that is, okay, we can take a deep breath there and exhale um, and understand that it's okay that it looks different. So that said, mindfulness is the concept at its core, right? Mindfulness is the idea that um, we can be present in the current moment and be aware of what's going on in that current moment, including our thoughts, our emotions, our bodily sensations, and our surroundings. Okay. To me, mindfulness is about paying attention on purpose. I'm sure I heard somebody smarter than me say that somewhere, but it has stuck this idea of paying attention on purpose. So if we think about our lives, how often are we paying attention on purpose? How often are we practicing an awareness and an intentional presence in the current moment to soak in our experience versus engaging with life mindlessly, right? So the opposite of mindful would be mindless. So how often are we going through the motions, just scrolling our way through life, either literally or metaphorically, just kind of going through life passively, allowing it to just happen. Here's the thing. We can't be mindful all the time. Um, It is really difficult to. There are just some times where we are mindless, where we sort of feel the need to turn our minds off. That's okay. What I am encouraging, though, is this practice of being present and being aware, of paying attention on purpose so as to not miss out on our lives, so as to not just passively engage with our minutes and hours and days and months and years. That, to me, is terrifying. 
that to me says I wake up years from now and go, whoa, what happened? Where did the time go? Right. As opposed to I intentionally showed up for my life. There was purpose behind that. There was purpose behind the decisions I made of how I spent my time and who I spent it with and how I showed up in those moments of how I spent my time and who I spent it with, right? And so when it comes to practicing mindfulness, it's important that first we do acknowledge it is a practice because there is so much information pulling at us right there are so there's so much stimuli in our world between our just our phones right the computers in our pockets <laughs> that we just carry around with us everywhere we literally can't even go to the bathroom without taking our phone which is a whole other podcast <laughs> that we can talk about at some point right but we have this this thing that's just pulling at our attention and at our awareness all the time that i think most people would agree it's very easily easy to mindlessly engage with that thing, right? And then not only just with that thing, but with all of the apps that are calling to our attention, all of the notifications that are pulling us in different directions. I think this lends itself to the idea of trying to multitask. Um, and here's the thing. I... Um, I haven't talked about the Enneagram yet here and I, you know, don't wholesale subscribe to really any um, personality um, assessment or anything like that. Um, but I, I have found the Enneagram to be helpful. Um, and as someone who highly prioritizes um, productivity and efficiency as an Enneagram three, I understand the draw toward multitasking. Let's, I'm just going to call I yes, I love it. I think that I can do all the things. Please, if you need to rewind <laughs> to the very beginning of this episode where I had to admit I can't do all the things, right? So we can already see some faulty logic here. But this idea of multitasking is where we are trying to complete um, many different tasks at the same time. Now, to our credit, we can do that occasionally. I think the immediate example that comes to my mind is I am folding laundry and I also have Grey's Anatomy on in the background, right? To anyone who knows me, it's always going to be Grey's. That is essentially multitasking. I am trying to watch and pay attention to the TV while also folding the laundry, making sure it gets into its different piles, right? Making sure that um, everything gets to where it needs to go. But we could also argue that when we are multitasking, we are not doing any of those one things well. Does that make sense? That, for example, I am not having my attention fully focused on watching the TV. So I'm going to miss, despite the fact of having most of the episodes memorized, I am going to miss out on something going on in the episode, right? Additionally, I'm not paying attention fully to the laundry, right? So, oh, this accidentally got to put into this pile or what have you. Not a big deal in the grand scheme of things, right? But mindfulness would encourage I do one task at a time. 
in a practice, or I'm sorry, a modality of therapy called dialectical behavior therapy. There's this idea of one mindfully. So that the tenets of mindfulness, one of them is to do things one mindfully. So one task at a time, um, one intentional activity at a time. So mindfulness would say, okay, pick one and be present. So if I'm going to watch an episode, I'm going to pick to do that and be incredibly present in it. That also means I'm not picking up my phone to scroll through Instagram or to answer that text message. I'm not going to look at my watch when it buzzes on my wrist to let me know I have yet another notification from yet another app, right? That I would be focused and intentional and present in that moment to just engage with that one activity. And the opposite would be true for the laundry, right? That I would just be focused on folding the clothes, that I would be focused on um, how the clothes feel in my hands, right? I would be focused on the smell from the fabric softener, right? I would be focused in that moment on that one activity. So again, I'm not discouraging multitasking. For example, you might be listening to this podcast and be cleaning, right? You might be cooking. I'm not saying that we can't multitask. I'm just saying that if we are wanting to focus on creating a more mindful life, a more present life, a more aware and intentional life, what does it look like to practice just doing one thing at a time, right? So that's one of the first tenets of mindfulness is to do one thing mindfully. Another tenet of mindfulness is to do it without judgment. So when we start to practice mindfulness, we are going to likely start to hear that voice of criticism in our mind sort of telling us, you're not even doing this right. Like you're not doing this well enough. You have not yet mastered mindfulness. And I got to get check for us. Like I don't think we ever will. There will always be something else pulling at our attention, something else pulling at our awareness, and we're going to need to practice bringing our attention back to the present moment, right? So when it comes to non-judgment, it is sort of acknowledging that our mind has drifted. So let's go back to the example of I'm trying to mindfully fold the laundry. And this is something I've done so often that my mind starts to wander, right? Because I can, I don't have to think about folding the towel, right? I have to think about folding fitted sheets. Yes and amen. Anybody else in my corner? But I don't have to think about folding the socks, folding the shirts, right? So my mind might start to wander and I might start to wander to the to-do list or what to make for dinner or, hey, I should get back to that person who texted me or, hey, I should probably record a podcast episode. And judgment would say like, oh man, you suck at mindfulness, right? Like you're terrible at this. I can't believe you let your mind wander. Mindfulness, though, advocates that I would non-judgmentally bring my awareness back to the present moment. So I, I acknowledge and I extend compassion to myself. But hey, yeah, my mind has wandered and I can let that go and just bring my awareness back to the folding, right? Back to the thing that I'm trying to do with some intention and some awareness, okay? I've often heard it said um, when we're working to practice mindfulness, it's sort of like, our mind is the sky and our thoughts are the clouds. So our thoughts are kind of passing through 
the sky of our mind and we're just going to kind of let them go. So if I'm folding the laundry and those thoughts of, oh, I need to text that person back or, oh, I I need to figure out what's for dinner. I'm just going to kind of let those pass through my mind, acknowledge that they're there and bring my awareness back to the thing that I'm trying to do with some intention and some presence. Okay. Another tenet of mindfulness is that practice of acceptance that we talked about in episode two. So this idea of learning to accept the present moment, accept our current circumstances, accept what is going on so that then we can work to change it. So that one's tied in with that non-judgment tenant where we talk about this idea that I just have to accept that I'm a human person in the world who is going to have thoughts outside of the activity that I'm engaging in at the current moment, okay? Because there is a lot pulling at my attention. So if I can accept that that's the case and then bring my awareness back to the thing that I'm trying to do... I'm learning to give myself grace and compassion, which is really what the practice of acceptance is about, right? Giving grace, giving compassion, allowing ourselves to then make the change that we would like to make. So by accepting the fact that my mind is going to wander, I can then make the change back to practicing mindfulness, okay? So when it comes to mindfulness, again, at its core, it's about paying attention on purpose. And we can learn to cultivate mindfulness, learn to practice mindfulness by engaging in some intentional activities, right? Shocker, intention, <laughs> that it we have to sign up to be present, okay? So it can be really simple things like some of the examples I've given that you would mindfully choose to do one task at a time. So if I am going to choose to sit down and watch a show or watch a movie, I am going to set myself up for mindful success by putting my phone in another room, by taking off my watch, right? By, um, Letting the other people in my space, for example, like letting my husband know, hey, I'm going to just watch this show for the next half an hour and work to just be engaged with that. Another example that comes to mind that's pretty difficult for me is reading. I I say all the time, I want to be reading more books. Um, I have not allowed myself to purchase any additional books until I read the ones that I have. If you know the struggle, then you know the struggle. Um, But I find myself not reading because I am allowing my attention to be pulled in other directions. Has anyone else sat down with a book, okay, had the book open on your lap in front of you, and then had your phone sitting in the, the open crease of the book, right? The book is open in front of you. And then you have your phone in front of the book, right? You you have set the intention, I want to read, but the phone is the distraction. The phone is what's keeping you from engaging really mindfully in that activity. I'm not trying to harp on our phones, guys. I think I'm just having a complicated relationship with mine at the moment, right? And I'm not saying all social media is bad or anything like that. There is a lot to be had from those platforms. However, it is the biggest distraction for me from engaging mindfully in other areas of my life. A hundred percent. And by acknowledging that, right, I'm bringing some awareness to it. 
And I am working to give myself that that gift of non-judgment to be like, okay, I'm not some kind of failure because I have, you know, set aside this time to read and I am scrolling on my phone. No, I am giving myself all the compassion in the world to say, you know what? Yep, this is what it is right now. I can accept that. And now I can make a change and set my phone aside, take it into the next room and sit down and mindfully engage with my book. Okay. So it can look like those activities, right? Just mindfully engaging with the one activity in front of you, the one thing that you would like to be doing. So for me right now, it's reading. It can also be, um, again, watching a show, just cooking mindfully, right? Like not having music on, just being in that present moment and engaging my five senses. Um, And so for me, that looks like when I'm cooking um, to let myself really smell the food that I'm making, right? Tasting what flavors are in the food that I'm making, right? Adjusting the flavor accordingly, listening to the pop and sizzle of the onion and garlic in the pan with the oil, right? Engaging really intentionally with all my senses in that moment. Using our five senses really with any activity is going to help us increase mindfulness. Um, So that can even look like going for a walk. I take my dog Louie for a walk every single day. And sometimes I'll have music on or I'll have a podcast on and I find, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I find that I'm missing what's in front of me in that activity, right? The joy that is inherent to that activity, such as, um, and my husband points this out all the time, like watching our dog's ears flap as he walks. It looks like a little butterfly, right? I miss out on him, um, you know, looking happy and discovering new smells around him, right? I miss out on the gorgeous color of the leaves right now. Um, And so mindfulness really is a practice in noticing. And when I'm trying to do too many things at once, I fail to notice my surroundings. I fail to notice how they make me feel in my body, the emotions that they make me feel, and the thoughts that I'm having. Right. And I miss out on opportunities for joy. And as we enter into this fall, winter season, a lot of us are going to struggle with seasonal affective disorder and just feeling lower and more sad, just struggling to find the joy. And so mindfulness is really about putting ourselves straight in front of joy and just encountering it head on with our lives. And I think using our five senses is a really positive way to start to reach for that. Another way to begin practicing mindfulness is the use of meditation. For those of you who have an active practice in meditation, perhaps it's something that you use a variety of different apps with. I know Headspace is a great one the Calm app. Um, We have a Peloton, so I will use Peloton meditations that I find incredibly helpful. Um, But practicing meditation is first and foremost about bringing your awareness to your breath, right? Feeling the inhale come into your lungs and out through your mouth, 
right? I always encourage my patients when we're practicing meditation is one hand on your heart and one hand on your belly so you can feel the rise and fall of your chest and your stomach so that you can feel your heart beating in your chest and just bringing your awareness even to the fact that you're breathing today. There is an opportunity for active, present, mindful joy, right? That I'm breathing in and out today. That is goodness right there. So the idea of practicing meditation is first to bring our awareness to our breath, but then to bring our awareness to perhaps a concept or to setting an intention for our day. So I know in the meditations I've done in the past, it's okay, we're going to first focus on our breathing just to bring us into the present moment, bring our awareness here. And then we're going to start to focus on thoughts related to wanting to cultivate courage or wanting to bring a sense of calm into your day. Um, Some people incorporate this with prayer. And I think that that's wonderful, right? Whatever your spiritual practices are, um, you know, bringing this in together. Meditation can also look like mindful journaling, um, starting to just kind of put some of those thoughts on paper um, and learn to bring some awareness to your thoughts. This can also be an excellent practice for combating anxiety and stress to help us put to words the thoughts that are swirling around in our brains um, that we often start to feel are spinning. And that's when we start to experience a level of distress when it comes to anxiety. So learning to kind of breathe in and out through that as well. And I just think in general, when it comes to mindful activity, like that's another way to practice it. I try to practice mindfulness, for example, um, with my morning cup of coffee right? Um, I have a tendency, right, to hop on my phone first thing, check the weather, check, um, I don't know, social media, check the news. And I've been trying to just slow that down. So if you guys remember my first episode, I talked about slow, rest, peace, and ease. And so this practice of slowness is also mindfulness. So slowing down my morning, slowing down my brain, not letting myself be bombarded by honestly just a cacophony of information in the morning, um, which can often send me reeling. Um, but just engaging mindfully with my cup of coffee. So watching, um, the creamer go into the coffee initially and change the color, right? The swirl of the spoon, the smell of the coffee, um, that first taste, um, how it starts, how I start to feel in my body as it's waking me up. Right. So this work of practicing mindfulness um, is just that it is work and it's something we have to intentionally cultivate in our lives that we have to make space for. But I think the payout is so great that um, it's meaningful, right? This is contributing to wholehearted living. This is allowing us to show up and pay attention to our lives in such a way that says, I am not a passive recipient of my life. I am an active participant of my life. And so as I um, have shared my ideas around what has helped me to practice mindfulness, the last thing I want to share with you is actually the practice of reading poetry. 
That is always a very grounding activity for me, um, specifically the work of Mary Oliver. So um, I was exposed to Mary Oliver when I was in college by a couple of my um, roommates and close friends uh, who I absolutely adore, who um, really to me embodied these practices of mindfulness, of slowing down, of intentional living, of putting themselves in the path of joy. And I wanted to honor them and honor how this practice has showed up in my life by reading a poem from Mary Oliver from her collected works called Devotions. Um, I highly recommend the use of poetry um, for mindfulness. So I want to share this one with you. It's called, Have You Ever Tried to Enter the Long Black Branches? Have you ever tried to enter the long black branches of other lives? Tried to imagine what the crisp fringes full of honey hanging from the branches of the young locust trees in early summer feel like? Do you think this world is only an entertainment for you? Never to enter the sea and notice how the water divides with perfect courtesy to let you in. Never to lie down on the grass as though you were the grass. Never to leap to the air as you open your wings over the dark acorn of your heart. No wonder we hear in your mournful voice the complaint that something is missing from your life. Who can open the door who does not reach for the latch? who can travel the miles, who does not put one foot in front of the other, all attentive to what presents itself continually. Who will behold the inner chamber who has not observed with admiration, even with rapture, the outer stone? Well, there is time left. Fields everywhere invite you into them. And who will care, who will chide you if you wander away from wherever you are to look for your soul? Quickly then, get up, put on your coat, leave your desk to put one's foot into the door of the grass, which is the mystery, which is death as well as life, and not be afraid to set one's foot in the door of death and be overcome with amazement, to sit down in front of the weeds and imagine God, the ten-fingered, sailing out of his house of straw, nodding this way and that way to the flowers of the present hour to the song falling out of the mockingbird's pink mouth, to the tiplets of the honeysuckle that have opened in the night, to sit down like a weed among weeds and rustle in the wind. Listen, are you breathing just a little and calling it a life? Mm, friends, that line. Listen, are you breathing just a little and calling it a life? I'll stop there because it is a longer poem, but one so beautifully um, that helps us to remind us to live mindfully, right? To step into the ocean, to put one foot in front of the other, to pay attention on purpose to our lives. Ah, it's so good. It's so good, you guys. Um, this practice of mindfulness, which allows us to grow as we go right? Which is just a, an inherent value here at Breathe Darling, growing as we go, giving ourselves the space to change, to accept that change, to move forward with our lives intentionally as active participants and not passive recipients. 
I'm so grateful for you guys, for this community, for the way that we are learning to live on purpose and living these wholehearted lives. I want to encourage you in the practice of mindfulness over the next week. I want to, um, yeah, encourage you, right? Um, And maybe it's just the use of, of one of these practices we've mentioned, right? Learning to just engage your surroundings with your five senses, paying attention to the one thing in front of you that you're doing, perhaps turning off the music or turning off the TV or even turning off this podcast. Yep, I said it. I said it. Turning it off and just being present for the one thing in front of you. And maybe that thing is a person and maybe that thing is a pet and maybe that thing is an activity. It doesn't matter. What does it look like to maybe just start with five minutes of mindful reading? And Maybe it's a poem, right? Maybe it's five minutes of just sitting and listening to music and not doing anything else. Maybe it's just five minutes of playing with your child or petting your dog or just being with your person. Maybe it starts there because again, it's a practice. We're not going to be able to do it all, all at once, if ever, (laughs) as I'm learning to accept. But keeping in mind that this will help us, one, feel less stressed and less anxious. And it'll also help us feel more connected to our lives, to our bodies, to our thoughts, to our feelings, and to our surroundings, including the people around us. So asking ourselves this week, how can I practice mindfulness? What's an activity that I can do mindfully? Um, And how can I start to encourage these mindful practices just in my day-to-day life, whether it's focusing on my breathing or um, just doing that one activity in front of me, right? I'm telling you guys, it's worth it. And it does make all the difference. This is such a reminder to me to get back to some of those practices and to um, live on purpose. You guys are great. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Would love to hear your feedback. Would love to hear how you are practicing mindfulness in the here and now. Um, I know that this week I had promised an episode with my husband, uh, but alas, we can't do it all and it's not going to happen. But my hope is for next week um, that we can come back here um, and share with you guys a little bit of our story and a little bit of um, kind of our our mantra as a couple, um, kind of what we live by, um, as a value that helps keep us grounded and connected and mindful in our marriage. So excited to share that with you next week. In the meantime, breathe friends, be mindful, live on purpose. We'll see you next time.